Thanks for listening to this podcast extra from New Mexico in Focus. Today we're going to zero in on the ongoing actors and writers strike that's shutting down film productions across the country, including here in our state. We start with an inside perspective on that labor dispute. Kirk Ellis has worn quite a few hats in the film industry, working as a writer and a producer, and now running his own production company. Gene Grant caught up with him late last month to get his impressions of where labor and management stand in this impasse, and what it could take to reach an agreement. Kirk, welcome. I really want to thank you for taking some time out. I see you rocking the colors there in your t-shirt. This is a big deal. It's a big deal. We're going to get in some of the nuts and bolts here. There's a lot of uh, word salad acronyms out there for a lot of folks who are, as you know, tuning into the situation literally just now. Sure. Not so much to the run-up, but the general public is just now kind of tuning into this. WGA, you know, what did WGA members do? What does it stand for? What's the issue here? Let's talk cover the broad strokes first. Sure. So uh, on May 2nd, um, approximately 20,000 members of the WGA, the Writers Guild of America, and there are two branches of that, the Writers Guild of America West, based in Los Angeles, and East. Um, here in New Mexico, we're covered uh, under the WGA West contract. So not everyone who writes for film and television is a WGA member. That's partly because there are still certain types of writing, like animation, commercials, things like that, that are not yet unionized. But those of us who work under what's called the minimum basic agreement, which comes up for renewal every three years, um, went pencils down, I'm, I'm analog, it's pencils down, pens down, computer pads down, whatever down, on May 2nd. So um, as of today, We've been on strike roughly 70 days, 70 days and change. Mm -hmm. um, about two weeks ago, uh, the Screen Actors Guild and AFTRA, these, um, the, trying to remember what AFTRA stands for, it's I should say it's word salad. Yeah. Uh, but um, uh, the Actors Guild went on strike um, uh, for the first time in quite a while. And this is the first joint strike where you've got actors and writers walking the picket lines together since 1960. And just to put that in perspective, that was a year before I was born and Ronald Reagan was head of the Screen Actors Guild. Right. He wasn't even yet governor of California. That's how long this has been in the making. And there's a reason for that, which is that when these contracts were initially negotiated with an organization called the Association of Motion Picture and Television Producers, the AMPTP. It was by design on the part of the producers and studios that each guild, there's also the Directors Guild, which is not on strike. They reached an agreement last month with the producers and, and streamers and networks. But it was by design that all of us would negotiate separately. So there would be no collective bargaining right. because they knew that having all three guilds negotiate together was a prescription for a general strike that would shut down the industry. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's been, as you can see, extremely rare when there's been this kind of solidarity. But I think this hit at a moment when labor in this country, whether you're working as a motion picture and television employee, you're working in hotels, you're working in the restaurant industry, you're a UPS driver, 
That's a, a strike that could paralyze the country if they walk out next month. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody is feeling abused. Everybody is feeling that they've become merely gig workers, that their whatever work they do, whatever craft, whether it's creative or industrial, has been underappreciated and underpaid. And I think it's frankly what I call the network scenario where people are just mad as hell and they're not going to take it anymore. Right. That's where we are. Let's get it inside the New Mexico borders here for a quick second. What's going on locally? I understand there is a picket line and a couple of uh, productions have been, I don't want to use the term shut down. That's maybe a little severe, but it's being honored. Uh, am I right on that? Or, uh, no, that is that is true. I was um, I worked with uh, representatives from the Writers Guild of America who came out of L.A. in June. Okay. Uh, they actually were out in May when I was in Washington doing uh, the concert. But um, picket lines were established here. Um, in June, um, I became a, a strike captain for industrial action, and we did picket. There, there are, I think it surprised people how many Writers Guild members were just here in our small, quaint little postage stamp of a town in Santa Fe. <laughs> but um, we did a very effective pickets with fewer than a dozen people um, on two major productions. And right now, I'm unaware of anything that is actually shooting in the state. Right. Um, it's, and that is certainly true in Los Angeles. There's literally nothing to picket other than the daily picket lines outside the streamers and studios. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What interests me about you, Kirk Ellis, in your career is you kind of, you know, embody three sides of this. <laughs> you've been a producer, you're a writer, obviously, and you've worked, you know, uh, with actors. It, it just, how do you personally kind of meld all those three sides of you into this situation? I, I mean, yeah, it's pretty strongly what you feel is right is right and what's wrong is wrong. But you, you, I'm not saying you might have some affection for the producers, but do you know have a feel for where they're coming some, from at some level? So I should be really clear when I use the word producers, um, because there's been a lot of misinformation out there. The, the Producers Guild of America, which is not a trade union, it's simply an affiliation of people who produce film and TV. I'm a member, mm -hmm. um, came out with a statement saying that we were in solidarity with the unions. Producers depend on talent to get their projects off the planning boards and onto the stage. Mm -hmm. What we're really talking about are the, the motion picture and television studios and networks and the streamers, the people like Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, uh, et cetera. Uh, and that, those, are, those are the people who are dictating terms that we find unacceptable mm -hmm. to this. I've, I've tried to, I've tried to flip the equation and say, we are not on strike. The studios, networks, and streamers are on strike against their creative talent. That's what has led to all of this. And we all have separate agendas, but what, to get to the point of your question, what really struck me when SAG, quite boldly, um, within a few days of going on strike, released their pattern of demands and how they had been met, or more accurately, not met by the AMPTP. It was extraordinary how similar the actors' issues were to the writers, not only with the sort of elephant in the room of AI, but with the sense that the average actor, just like the average writer, can't make a living. There are people in the, my guild who are 
creators and showrunners who were driving Uber, who were driving Lyft, showrunners, right? people who create shows and are you know, give, given Emmy Awards for this, uh, let alone people at entry-level positions. And you know, we're talking about the hundreds of thousands of members of SAG, SAG-AFTRA, how many of them are working actors and how many of them are working on a level where they are six and seven, and sometimes eight figure you know, um, compensation? Not that many. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about a sort of grassroots strike here. Um, as much as the producers want to pitch it as a handful of elite members of both guilds throwing everybody else out of work, that's certainly not what I experienced um, on a picket line, either as somebody walking a picket or as a captain here in New Mexico. Yes, of course, there are always those difficult conversations with members of the crew who are going to lose work. And I talked to enough crew members over the last couple of months to know that many of them realized that the shows they were working on here in June and July would be the last shows they would work on all year. And sadly, that is true because this is going to be a long strike. But in general, everybody was sympathetic to my guild and certainly not the actors because they understand the issues are um, existential across the industry. Uh, let's get into what are the demands? What do the studios want? What do writers want? Where's the middle ground here? I want to kind of carve off AI here, if I could, Kirk. I want sure. to talk about that separately next. But what, what's the basic uh, uh, sure. rub here? For, for Okay, well, so the, the, the easier question is what do the studios want? The studios want no change whatsoever. Okay. They want to provide a minimum less than cost of living increase in certain quarters and call it quits. We'll talk about AI when the time comes. But that's all it is. They came in, they came into both the Writers Guild and the SAG after negotiations, I think, and I think Fran Drescher's burn burner of a speech when the Actors Guild went on strike yeah. confirmed it for me. They never intended to negotiate. They came in with an initial offer, and that was as far as they were ever going to go. So in terms of what writers are looking for, as with any labor action, money is at the heart of it. Um, Whether you're working on, whether you've been in the business as long as I've been, and you've worked up to the level that I've achieved, or you're just coming in, in real wages, you are working now for less money than when you started, Hmm. than when you started five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, or 30 years ago. You're working for less money. What's happening now is that the studios and streamers are saying, look, here, come up with an idea. Kirk, come up with an idea for a show. You you want to do a show about um, modern day scientists at Los Alamos. Great. That's great. Oppenheimer's coming out. Looks like something we can do. So here's what we're going to do. You know, how many writers would you need to put what's called a mini room together? Come up with some storylines for us. We're going to do eight episodes. So, okay, I need two writers. So we all go into a mini room. I get paid at a level, you know, here. They're paid a level here, mm-hmm. right? entry level. We work and we break out these stories. We submit them to the streamer. The streamer goes, great. It's a good show. So here's how we're going to move forward. You fire the writers who are in the mini room and you write all the episodes yourself. Okay. So maybe I'll say yes to them. Maybe I'll say no to that. 
but I won't have these other writers anywhere on the show. So what that's creating is a, is a situation where, unlike what was happening just recently in television, where you had a room of people who knew the show, knew the characters in it, who would what we call breakout episodes that the show runner would rewrite on his or her own or in tandem with the original writer. But it was a training ground. So those writers could go to set, monitor what's going on while the other people in the room are working on the next couple of episodes. They would gain enough experience to where at some point they could pitch their own show. That's not happening now. There's no training ground for any of this. Mm -hmm. um, and as if that wasn't bad enough, mm -hmm. I'll use my own film as an example. Look, I was well compensated on the, on the Franklin Project by Apple. I have no argument with that. Mm -hmm. But the money I received as writer and executive producer is all the money I will ever see from that check. There will not be a dime, not a penny, not a farthing of residuals because Apple, like Netflix, like Amazon, owns the project in perpetuity in all media around the world forever. Uh, so, even, no, even, even, Kirk, even as executive producer, that is correct. Residuals. That's correct. Wow. Yeah. There's huh. no. There's no additional money. All of us. You know, the director Tim Van Patten, the other EPs, Richard Plepler and Tony Kranz. I mean, all of us. You know, that's that's the money. We love the project, and it was a great creative team, and right. and it was just the art of the, the collaboration, the, the physical, you know, uh, adrenaline rush of making it. Right, but that's it. And Gina gets worse because at some point, and this has already happened to shows, and I'm sure your viewers may have experienced this on their viewing platforms. The, the streamer can say, you know, huh, everybody who's wanted, who wants to watch John Adams or Franklin, they've watched it. Let's just pull it forever from the platform. Now, back in the day, 2008, when John Adams comes out, there were these things called DVDs. And shortly after that, Blu rays, that was an ancillary market. Right. Uh, you know, owned, it's like HBO was Time Warner, the, the DVD company was Time Warner. So it was all the same money, but there was a physical copy of the show. Now, I got a residual for those DVDs when they were sold or when they were rented. I still get them when you see John Adams on Amazon, you pay a buck 99. Right, there are no DVDs made of anything anymore. There will be no DVDs of Franklin. It exists as a streaming platform. And should Apple choose to pull it a week after the last episode airs, a year after the series is on the air, ten years later, it'll be like it never existed. Like none of us ever did any of that work. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And as, 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 as a creator and an artist, that's a really really hard thing to accept. Now, neither of our guilds has control over that because that's a corporate business decision, but I bring it up because it's part and parcel of the way the industry, these mega corporations for whom entertainment is a, is a content. You know, they don't call it product anymore. It's just content. Uh, the same way underwear could be content, you know, in another, in another industry. So, it's just, that's how things are treated. 
That is fa- that's a fascinating anecdote, and uh, I think it explains a lot about where folks are coming from on both sides. For New Mexicans, what's the upshot? We're, you know, I always like to remind people, any industry here, it's always on tender footing. You know, even, we, even though we're raking lots of money and it seems like things are going great in the film business, things can turn in a season, so to speak. Yeah. Georgia's coming on, has been doing their thing. Lots of other states, Louisiana, doing their thing. You never know how these things are going to go. I'm not asking you to predict for New Mexico, but what's the upshot here for us if this doesn't go well uh, for actors? There's a, there's a flaw in the system. The flaw in the system has always been there. And um, when this was first being contemplated by Bill Richardson and, you know, the unfortunately now late Eric Witt, Thank you for um, as, uh, there, I was on what was called the Governor's Council for Film and Television Industries. I think I got that right. And my initial sort of back of the brain concern, which this strike has brought out is that when we were looking at this incentive, we did not look at a parallel incentive for New Mexico-based creators of content, New Mexico writers, New Mexico directors, New Mexico actors. We conceived it as a service industry. So unfortunately, as a result of doing that, what it means is that there are none of us who create product here who could qualify for, say, a SAG waiver or a WGA waiver, because that's not how our industry is set up. Mm-hmm. So we will all, New Mexicans, no matter what our union or what our craft, we are now going to have to weather this shutdown together because that's the way this industry was created here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we will, by the way, we will. Thanks again to Kirk Ellis for sitting down with us to catch the full interview. Head to the New Mexico in Focus YouTube page. Now, while we're at it, let's hear from a voice familiar to most New Mexicans, if you watch television, from Times Square, no less. Take it away, Brian Cranston. Thank you all for, for coming out today. We're, we're overjoyed to be on this stage looking out at all this energy of love and togetherness and unionization. Thank you very much. And thank you also to the Writers Guild, IATSE, and the Teamsters. Thank you for supporting us. We will support you. You know, there's been a lot of conversation about the differences between the AMPTP and what SAG-AFTRA is looking for in, in our compensation, in this contract. But there is one thing that we all agree on. Even they agree on it, and that is Our industry has changed exponentially. We are not in the same business model that we were even 10 years ago. And yet, even though they admit that that is the truth in today's economy, they are fighting us tooth and nail to stick to the same economic system that is outmoded, outdated, They want us to step back in time. We cannot and we will not do that. What we have put forth in the negotiations is not unreasonable. It is not unfair. And I find it very, very um, ironic that we are all gathered here today in unity in front of an entity that is run by Disney. And now uh, we've got a message for Mr. Iger. 
I know, sir, that you look through things through a different lens. We don't expect you to understand who we are, but we ask you to hear us and beyond that to listen to us when we tell you we will not be having our jobs taken away and giving to robots. We will not have you take away our right to work and earn a decent living. And lastly, and most importantly, we will not allow you to take away our dignity. We are union through and through, all the way to the end. Thank you, God bless you. Stay together, we will win this fight. God bless you. Welcome back for one final discussion here on the line. The nationwide writers strike that began in May escalated this month as the actors union SAG-AFTRA joined writers on the picket line. That's why you just saw Mr. Cranston fired up in a speech where he called out Disney CEO Bob Iger by name, saying he and the union won't budge. It's the latest de development in a strike that's ground film production in New Mexico to a halt for the first time in years. And like Kirk Ellis said, it's the first time since Ronald Reagan was president of SAG that writers and actors have joined together in a labor dispute with studios. There are some clear, specific demands that apply to this industry in particular. But Sophie, let me start here. Do you yeah. agree with Mr. Ellis's contention that this is just one example of a national workforce issue that feels largely unappreciated. Like this is part of something much bigger that's going on you know, here. I love that you asked that question because I've been thinking about the UPS, you know, the threatened Ooh. UPS strike, Ooh. the the UPS, uh, um, you know, the concerns about that, which mm -hmm. I think companies, organizations across the country have been crossing their fingers that it doesn't make it to strike because right. so much of our, so much of our commerce mm -hmm. these days travels on trucks and planes from, from UPS, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I think it is sort of one of those union moments, which is, I, I think we've, as a, you know, generally a union supporter, I think we've needed, it's so high profile. I mean, you see Mark Ruffalo, you see, you know, Fran Drescher, <laughs> like, oh, my childhood brought back in front of me. You see these people out on the picket lines and, and you realize that union representation is, is a big part of the fabric of our society, even when we don't normally see it. So, so I mean, I think something sort of uh, bigger than just the entertainment industry is happening here. That's an excellent point. Collective bargaining, when we were young, Didi, was a big deal in the 70s. Mm. That sort of went away when they previously mentioned Mr. Reagan came into office. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know yeah. unions sort of disappeared. But check it out. You know, as Sophie mentioned, Starbucks, Amazon, Trader Joe's, Currently, 340,000 unionized UPS employees, of course, settled. Uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics, the number of workers involved in strikes and similar work stoppages has increased by nearly 50% since just 2021. Yes. Something's in the air about unions, uh, if you want to pick up on that. What's yes, this is a moment for unions. Mm -hmm. And it is a difficult moment, though, more difficult than it has been for unions in the past, because this is not just a manufacturing economy anymore. Right. This is kind of a gig economy right. where everyone's a freelancer. Right. And that doesn't take the same kind of union organizing as, you know, uh, 
is the traditional kind of union organizing. Unions are at a low ebb in New Mexico. Mm -hmm. And so I was really gratified to see all the folks out on the picket line yesterday. Right. Here, I think there are 250 people out there. They were not. Wednesday. Yes. Yeah, in front of Netflix. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it's it's a different kind of negotiation, though. I mean, mm -hmm. this is this is a negotiation about artificial intelligence right. and residuals right. and um, and 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 the the kind of part time work that most uh, movie folks do. It's not like a nine to five day with right. benefits. Mm -hmm. It's much more scattershot than mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Much more difficult to deal with, which is I think why I'm really glad to see the unions uh, working in this community mm -hmm. because there are other communities that are uh, somewhat analogous to that too. Mm -hmm. Deliveries mm -hmm. are one of them, uh, right. Uber, and, mm -hmm. uh, and it's, the, it's the new economy that we have to make sure that workers are not left out That's of right. because they're being left out. Well, there's a and reason it, Uber, Uber tried to unionize. Yeah. You know what I mean? People figure it out, the gig economy can only last, take you so long, Sean. Uh, interesting point there, a bit of a, a riff on what uh, Didi just mentioned. You know, this strike is projected to go for a bit. And, you know, it's going to be impactful for a state that doesn't have a whole lot of folding money to get by, so to speak. I, I'm wondering, in your view, um, considering our state's economy, the kind of public money we're doling out, is it appropriate for electeds to start speaking out about this and say, hey, guys, can we start to think about settling this issue? Is that appropriate, inappropriate? Where do elected folks uh, uh, fit into this argument? I've been wondering about that myself. I yeah. feel like it would be appropriate for electeds to even just politically stand on the side for workers. Right. Um, again, I'm not sure if there are any potential legal issues. Are you aware of anything that could potentially Excellent show point. why well, they just, wouldn't be I able to say just this morning or yesterday, the governor of California, where mm -hmm. th this is such a big industry, said he wanted to mediate uh, between uh, between the, the two parties. Interesting. Yeah. So that would be a that would be a role for leadership. And, and, I'm not, and, and it should be happening right now. I mean, it right. makes sense if you're going to be supporting this economy class, this creative class, this group of people that you brought in with incentives to work and operate and to build a mm -hmm. strong economy in mm -hmm. New Mexico. Mm -hmm. You want to preserve it. You want to protect it. So they should be speaking out for it. Mm -hmm. um, I think one thing that that we're at this moment, I think that is also that is significant for all this with the, you know, revenues increasing, executives pay and compensation increasing, the price the price of everything else is increasing, rent, food, cost of living, yeah. but salaries aren't increasing, and that's really where right. elected officials should be leaning into. And we also understood from the pandemic one of the lessons out of many that we've understood through the pandemic is the really benefit and greatness that creative economies bring for us. Mm -hmm. You know, how mm -hmm. many of us depended on a Netflix series or how many of us depended on music or a television show just to get through the daily life of living in a lockdown? Yeah. And we need yeah. to really start treating it with more seriousness and provide that creative class, you know, what they deserve. That's Cop. fair. That's fair. Mm -hmm. Let's finish with this. Sophie, um, Didi mentioned, of course, the strike out at Netflix. Is there a possibility of, of, of the relationship changing with NBC Universal, Netflix, all the folks who've dropped anchor here, driven a deep stake Gosh, into a, New Mexico? That's a good question. I, I think, um, you know, we are not, uh, we are not sort of the exemplar of the worker protection 
for environment, and uh, you know, regrettably, right. <laughs> so, are they going to look at us first? Are they going to look at California first? Right. It's it's hard to say. You know, one thing if I could just very quickly Please. pick up on, yeah. Dee mentioned AI, and I and I think that um, this is the first sort of large public action, um, you know, really putting in people's faces that that AI is more than just knowledge workers, mm -hmm. right? That mm -hmm. the artificial intelligence technologies, they're not there yet, but at some point, we're gonna have to come to grips with the impact on knowledge workers, but also on manufacturing, the workers in manufacturing. You know, they're already dealing with automation and, and you know, they've, they've been dealing that with that for a long time. Mm -hmm. To see these other types of industries suddenly saying, ah, this could have a really big impact on humans. That's right. It, that's a big deal. That's right. Interesting point, too, that was made. This is the window. If they try to come back three years from now and negotiate, it doesn't matter because mm. the studios will have everything they want. This is the moment. And these folks, you can feel it. They've mm. got to dig in now because this is the one. Thanks again to Source New Mexico editor Sean Griswold, attorney Sophie Martin, and former journalist and legislator Dee Dee Feldman for being on the show this week. Be sure to let us know what you think about any of the topics we covered on our Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram pages. And catch any episodes you may have missed on the PBS app on your Roku or Smart TV. Thanks to Gene, Kirk Ellis, and the Line Opinion panel. Be sure to follow our pages on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube throughout the week. You can give us feedback or just stay up to date as we post previews and news items leading up to our show on Friday night. Thanks again, everyone. I'm senior producer Lou DeVizio. Have a great weekend.